What's up, guys? Welcome to the MMA On Point live chat. How's it going? This is our second week on the channel. We got PT over here acting as human as possibly perceivable. I don't know <laughs> where I was going with that sentence. Good to see you, PT. You guys know me. I am the co-owner of the channel. Uh, I used to work at Target. PT has worked for the BBC, um, you know, lesser places than Target. Uh, you know, BT Sport, ESPN, MMA Fighting. Um, yeah, bullshit. How's it going, man? How you doing? <laughs> Look, man, I, I applied to Target and they wouldn't accept me. They said, what do you mean you want me to fly, fly an employee from a different country in for shifts? And I was like, that's exactly what I want. That's always what I've wanted. But it's an entry-level position. It's very tough to get. Very tough to get. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, uh, what's up with you, Lon? How you doing today, man? Doing good. Cannot complain. It's oh, been a... Uh... beautiful man. Oh, wow. <laughs> just this beautiful, unkept, haven't had a haircut in like two months looking man. But no, nah, doing good. It's been a smooth morning. Can't complain. Everything's working for now. So... Like your bowels. It, it, mm -hmm. can, we ask, yep. can we ask the chat if Lawton has graduated... Uh, from the casual <laughs> now that he's doing these prospect videos and composes corner i mean it's pretty much the most diehard mma stuff you can be doing and it's it's all lot baby so i mean maybe the chat can tell us has he graduated from the casual because i for one would like to put forward the motion that he does graduate his status <laughs> after what he's been doing he's doing unbelievable work though that's off the lot, man. Appreciate it, man. Speaking of unbelievable work, um, Zach Batista in the chat. Is that PT, my Irish brother, Carol? So that's a <laughs> shout out to Dewey Cooper on the piece that went up yesterday. So amazing work on that. If you guys have not yeah, man, seen What about that, Dewey Cooper, man? What Dewey. about Dewey Cooper? That's one of the best interviews I've ever done. Um, he he didn't know it, what the video concept was. So he thought we were doing a podcast. But I mean, amazing, man. That guy's quote at the end Honestly, I said it to you even before I handed it over to you, Jay. I was like, all I, do I want to keep unedited is this last part of Dewey Cooper because the man, <laughs> man, he he's a legend. Like a legend. Unbelievable career he's had before he goes into the coaching role. I was blown oh, yeah. away by those guys. Yeah, being guys like King Mo and K1 and fighting Gary Goodrich. Like he fought a lot of people over the years. Boxing, you know, as well. Yeah, guy knows his stuff and we were even talking about this right before, like we want to release that quote separately just because it was so cool and such like such an epic thing that he went on at the end talking about, you know, what it's like before the fight, not giving predictions. You could describe it a whole lot better than I can, but uh, hey, I'm not even going to say anything. Just wait, <laughs> keep locked in on the on point MMA uh, socials because uh, well, it's on point MMA on Twitter. Everywhere else is MMA on point, but we should be releasing it. If you haven't seen the video yet, I think it's quite good. Um, it's so right. check it out if this happens. It's all right. It's all right. It'll do. It'll do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely check that out after this. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's jump right into the main uh, kind of points here today. So the Kumite Crunch, this is our opener. This is how we like to get started off on topics and give kind of our hot takes on it. So we go on one-minute rants like a Kumite tournament. It is the Kumite Crunch. So why don't you go ahead and get us started off, Latasia? Yep. All right, guys. So if you've been here before, you kind of know how we do this. We got five topics, one minute each per person between PT and Jason. So the chat, you guys will vote on who takes the topic first. So as I kind of read the headline, which you see on the left side of your screen, I'll kind of give a little backstory with a question or kind of like some thought-provoking statements. So put your votes in the chat right now. Who should take this first headline of Stipe versus Nganu? 
So yeah, put PC or Jason in the chat. You guys are already doing it. Great. So simple, simple question for this one. Do you think it will go differently this time? Obviously, that's going to be the main event this um, Saturday at 260. So we're just kind of talking about is it going to go different? What are your general thoughts about that? Let's go to the chat and see. Who is going to start easy, it off? Easy for PT. I easy mean, PT just PT. wrote that piece. I mean, it makes a ton of yeah. sense. Like, everybody wants to know, Thanks what do you think? For me, Dad. Dad, <laughs> thank you. Um, don't use too much of the Wi-Fi, though, or the signal will drop out in this room. But uh, thank you for voting for me again. I don't know how he accesses so many profiles to put in that many votes. It's really amazing. He can barely use his phone. <sighs> good to see you here, Dad. My dad isn't doing nearly as good a job. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this my is dad, all just our dad voting, voting for me. So, all right, PT, you got one minute. Stipe versus Nganu. Do you think it will go differently this time? Are you ready? Yes. All right, one minute starting now. Look, it, it's it's nearly impossible for me to say whether the fight will go differently. I think Stipe Miocic is the greatest heavyweight in UFC history. But what I do think has changed is. Francis Ngannou. I don't think this is going to be the same Francis Ngannou. I've spoke to a lot of members of his team, and really, like they kind of lay it out plain and simple. His lack of experience going into that first fight, I think, was four years, four or five years he had in MMA before that total. Like as in, I started training, and now I'm doing this. Um, I think he took his first fight two weeks into training, something crazy. So I feel like on the back of going five rounds with Stipe, three rounds with with Derek Lewis, he has far more experience. He's going to be a lot better versed. As well as that, with Extreme Couture and Eric Nixick, he's trained with Iller Latifi, a guy who comes from a wrestling family, a family of wrestlers who's been wrestling since childhood. Like, he is a big dude, Ten too. Seconds. I don't even know how that dude made 205. So I think, yes, Francis Ngannou's definitely improved, but will it be enough to beat Stipe? I honestly don't know. You'd have to put the clever money on Stipe for me. Nice. All right. Land at the plane at one minute. Shocker. I didn't Jason. expect you to say Stipe, to be honest with you. <laughs> All right, Jason, same topic. What are your thoughts? Will it go down the same? You got one minute starting now. What this feels like for me is what we just went through with Jan Blahovich and um, Isra Adesanya. It feels like I haven't learned my lesson with Stipe. I thought DC would beat him. I thought Nganu would beat him the first time. And I'll be totally honest with you. I still feel like Nganu's going to win this time. It's the classic, you know, all I have to do is hit you once. You can have a perfect 25 minutes otherwise, but that's all Nganu has to do. And I do think that it's burned, it's been seared into his mind that he has to correct the wrestling. And we've seen this time and time again with guys like Habib. People don't figure it out. For Ronda Rousey in the early days, nobody could figure out how to get around that arm bar. So it's easier said than done to just be like, well, go and train that and you'll be able to beat the best in the world. Um, Stipe is absolutely the greatest heavyweight of all time. I think he's earned that distinction seconds. with the most heavyweight title, defenses consecutively. Um, so... You probably could put your money on him, but I've got it on Nganu. I think he'll knock him out. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so many people are going to be pissed at me for that because, like, people really love Stipe, man. People and I, I love Stipe too, but it's a fight, right? Yeah, it's it's a diff, it's an interesting one, dude, because like you get the feeling like that Nganu has to land one big punch where Stipe needs to have a perfect game plan for twenty five minutes. Mm. Um, but he did it already. It's not like we don't know like if he can do it or not. He definitely can, and he's amazing. He's amazing. He's an amazing striker as well as an amazing grappler. So that's that's just what it comes out. I can understand people picking Francis Ngannou one hundred percent, but um, 
I always feel like that first fight, it's a very, very difficult task to come in and rematch someone and beat them if they beat you so uh, concisely as Stipe did the first time around in January 2018. Mm. Just looking at the comments, JT sees the same thing happening. He hasn't seen that Ngannou's technique has gotten better. What if he gets past the first round, says Kistofa? These are absolutely you know, the criticisms. I mean, the, the first round, you go back and watch that, that first fight. They're sharks now. They're sharks <laughs> We sharks, baby. Sharks, baby. Is that what he said in the <laughs> quote? I'm, I forgot about that one. He, he, oh, man. So many good ones. We sharks, baby. Mm. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see on it. But um, All yeah. right. the good thing is we get to find out. So. <clears throat> we will know in a few days, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Moving on to the next headline for the Kumite chat. Same thing. Put your vote for PT or Jason. I think it was uh, Rusty One said everyone vote for Lawton. It's not going to matter. Well, now it's really going to happen that you said it out loud. I'm still not going to do it, so you can do that. But, all right, put your votes. Petey, Jason, we got the headline of favorite fight. So what is your favorite fight on this card for Saturday outside of the main event, which obviously we just talked about, which is Stipe Stipe versus Francis. Um, I've got it pulled up. I'm sure you guys probably know the card like the back of your hand. So if you need a reference... I can do it, and yeah, I should not have called out Rusty because they are all voting for me. <laughs> you guys are some some bastards, you know that? Oh my gosh. Okay, the next one that I see that's not me, I'm probably going to go with. Do, 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 and it's still me. Okay, well. All right, well, this is just going fantastic. This is why you can't trust YouTube. You can't You can't acknowledge anything. There's there's one for Tom. Can we, can we call Tom real quick? Can, yeah, yeah, let's get him, him in. Let's get jump him in. in real quick. I say um, you pick. Let's do... Okay, the first one that was not me was Jason. So right, we're just going to give it to Jason. You guys have forfeited your votes this turn. So we're tossing it to you, Jason. You got one minute on your favorite fight outside of the main card for this weekend. You ready? No. <laughs> do you need a, need a second to review? Uh, No. Are you sure? No. <laughs> I, I forgot other other words. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's go for it. All right, one minute starting now. Yeah, I don't watch the prelims, okay? <laughs> I'm a main card, kind of big picture kind of guy. I mean, what are we talking about here? Uh, William Knight versus Alonzo Menefield is definitely standing out. William Knight looks like one of those heavyweights. That's the absolute future of the division. I think he'll be extremely exciting. He's one of those guys that came off Dana White's Tuesday night contender series. They don't call it that way anymore, but that's what they used to call it. I keep calling it that. It's just Dana White's contender series now. We got Abu Bakar and Nurmaga Madoff fighting Jared Gooden. Um, It's probably between those two for me, particularly going on the prelims. But... I think I just got to go with the heavyweights. I think it's going to be an exciting fight. So, or light heavyweight, rather. I think it's going to be an exciting fight. I think William Knight is just a destroyer, so I'm excited to see him get back in there. That's my underdog fight on the card. 11, 10. I'm just, I'm just done. I'm just done. I'm just done. <laughs> Do you need your? <laughs> you don't even. You don't even need your full. full such minute. a quick case to make. I mean, it's like, what else is there to say? It's going to be fun. The guy can kill people on the ground. So All now right. I'm ranting as. <laughs> the guy can kill people tune in <laughs> do you think i'm just gonna let you kill me john do you think i'm just gonna let you kill me you still there pussy all <laughs> right all right pt favorite fight outside of the main event you got one minute starting now 
For me, the most interesting thing is Sean O'Malley coming back after that first loss to Marlon Vera. His reaction to that fight has been pretty crazy. I mean, I, I just saw he did an ESPN with Ariel Hawani for ESPN, mm. and he says he's going in feeling like he's still undefeated. And this is something he said a lot after the Vera fight. He was like, you know, where am I going to be in five years? And where is this guy going to be in five years? None of that really matters. What matters is what happens on Saturday night against Thomas Almeida. And Thomas Almeida is no kind of scrub. A lot of people kind of see that three-fight losing streak he's on now, and they forget the the real enthusiasm that was around this guy's career when he first came into the UFC. Oh, he was at one UFC 189 in Las Vegas when he had that epic firefight with Brad Pickett. It's one of the best cards ever. Have a look at that fight if you haven't seen it before. And this guy knows... He can get back to where he needs to be with a win over Sean O'Malley. Mm. He's been in the dirt now for three fights, and this is the perfect way for him to save his UFC career and make a big statement. I love that fight. Nice. Bullshit. Cool. Landed. (laughs) 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 And they both can kill people. They both can kill. Okay, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Like, why don't you just say that from the beginning? What are we doing here? (laughs) That's great. We are we are going off the rails today. I love it. All right, moving it along to our third headline. So chat again. Put your uh, votes for PT or Jason in the chat. We got the headline of Chandler versus Oliveira. So is this the right title fight? <laughs> I literally. <laughs> I do prefer. Sorry, you guys have no idea what just happened. So we use a messenger Slack to like have these questions written out, and you can edit your text. And literally, Jason just like edited the text I was reading while I was reading it and said, Lawton's an idiot who doesn't proofread questions. But it caught me off guard because I do proofread questions. And I saw my name and I was like, what the hell? Okay. Dear God. We are just, we are losing Chandler versus Oliveira. Is this the right title fight at 155? And that's it. So that's the question. I'm going to the chat. Into my Lawton and idiot. Ryan Coates, you're the man. $5 super chat. Lawton's the goat. Thank you. Nicola's in here too. So appreciate seeing the regulars as always. Okay, let's go. I'm seeing, I'm seeing Pizzi for this one, I believe. Oh, shit. Yeah. And there it is. That's what you get for picking on me, Jason. So sick of that going. That's what, that's what Switch Jason- to me real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all a little, little He doesn't even deprived. speak American. He doesn't speak American. All right. So, Pizzi, <laughs> get us back on track. Chandler versus Oliveira. Is this the right title fight for 155? You got one minute. You ready? Yeah. All right. Let's hear your thoughts starting now. Let's get this straight before I go on this uh, rampage about this. The right fight to make was Dustin Poirier v. Charles Oliveira. But Dustin Poirier doesn't want that fight right now. He wants to fight Conor McGregor because that's where the money is. So when you take that out of the equation, I think, yes, Chandler v. Oliveira is the fight to make. A lot of people are getting on to me talking about Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje, both of whom are coming off losses. That isn't a good look for the UFC to put guys in there on losses. And look, People are saying, oh, he's only fought once in the UFC. Michael Chandler has been one of the greatest lightweights in the world for a decade. For a decade. He has been a three-time Bellator champion. He has beaten three UFC champions. This guy is championship pedigree. There's no doubt about it. He has been perfect since he came to the UFC. The guy hasn't put a foot wrong. even jumped in on the live chat one day to have a chat with us. The guy is great. I think you got to put him in the spot. He's pro- He's done everything they've asked him to do, and he was willing to step up and short notice on several occasions. So, yes, the right fight to make. 
Nice. Cool. All right. Jason, your thoughts. Chandler versus Oliveira. Is this the right title fight to make? You got one minute starting now. <laughs> pick, pick me. Pick me next time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've got largely the same kind of thoughts here. The fight that should have been booked should have been Poirier versus Oliver. That's the one that should have happened. And unfortunately, we got a situation here where this happens to everybody once they get to the top. And to a certain extent, it's hard to blame them. There's a money fight on the table, and so they go for it. My question is, is it really a money fight for Poirier in today's day and age where I think Poirier can make quite a bit? I'm sure he'll make more with Connor, but how much more is the real question. Is it worth derailing everything and potentially losing to Connor, never actually getting the belt you want? That could happen. Of course, I've got him as the favorite here. So that's who I would have had. Gaethje has admitted on his own that he feels he should win a fight in order to get the title shot. So it's hard to argue against his own logic when he said that out loud. I think this fight makes sense. And as you pointed out, PT, it's been over a decade that Michael Chandler has been at the top. Just because he hasn't been in the UFC doesn't mean anything. We had this problem with Krokop getting head kicked by Gonzaga so he didn't get to face Randy Couture. All these things over time of trying to bait things a little too longer, too long. Let's just go ahead and make the match now while both guys are ready. Let's do it. Man, you guys really like Chandler, huh? I don't know. I hate the guy. I hate the guy. All right, cool. Good thoughts. All right, so let is move it on to our next headline. We got Patty the Baddie. So chat. Never heard of him. Never never heard of him. Sounds sounds terrible, actually. So <laughs> chat, who should take this one? Jason or PT? Put your votes in the chat. So we got the headline, Patty the Baddie. Let me make sure Jason didn't edit my notes. So if the rumors are true that Patty Pimblett has signed to the UFC... Who should he fight first? So if you didn't know, that's kind of like the rumor going around is that Patty is done at Cage Warriors. He's moving over to UFC. So if that is confirmed and going to happen, who should he fight first? So let's dive to the chat, see who's going to win this one. Ooh, it's looking, pretty, it's looking pretty close. Let's get a few more in because it is pretty tight. Jason, Jason. Ooh, baby. Jason, are you... Is your that thing just stopped loading for a second? <clears throat> no, mine's working. Um, dang, dang, this one's close. All right, whenever there's a tie, Lawton, you have to answer it. I have to, I have to That's answer. That's the rule. Who should Patty fight? I don't even, I don't even know where to start with that topic. <laughs> All right, so All you right, get to keep Jason your name. Should... You get to keep casual for now. Yeah, I know. As I, long I, as that's your I answer. I haven't graduated yet, so <laughs> I don't know anything about other anything so all right jason i saw four come in at the end so we are going to toss it to you patty the baddie who should he fight first if he comes to the ufc you got one minute starting now can lift 20 pounds with this sucker okay here we go (laughs) yeah so for me the way i see this one is patty one of his most interesting fights that he's had to date was with Julian Arosa. It's something that he's talked about wanting to do. Julian Arosa is now back in the UFC. He was on tough. He went over to Cage Warriors after things didn't necessarily work out. I think those two could fight. And I think that would be the most interesting thing if he were to stay at 155. Julian Arosa is at 155 in the lightweight division, right? Uh, for the UFC. So I think that would make a ton of sense. Otherwise, I think he needs to make the move down to 145. I think he's a small 
uh, lightweight. And what I don't like the idea is if he does come over and he's fighting at lightweight and he's going to have to face somebody like Islam Makachev or Kevin Lee when he's back down, Gregor Gillespie, a lot of those bigger wrestlers I think will give him a lot of trouble. So for now the answer is Julian Arosa, but I think uh, it would make a whole lot more sense to fight down at 145 where he won't have to deal with those bigger guys that are cutting a shit ton of weight. Cool. On the dot, one minute. All right, Patsy, Patty the Batty, coming to UFC. Who should he fight first? You ready for your minute? Yeah. All right, one minute starting now. So Patty the Batty is one of the most captivating figures who have ever fought in Cage Warriors. In fact, he's the probably the biggest poster boy Cage Warriors have ever had. Since the age of 20, the UFC have been pursuing Patty Pimblett. He has turned him down on a number of occasions, and... Really, we've seen these moments in his career against top European prospects, Saran Back, um, against Nad Naramani, who went on to be signed for the UFC. He has become the guy who gets people to the UFC, but he was fighting these fights incredibly injured. He had a broken hand for Saran Back. He, he fought, I think it was a, a knee injury when he fought Nad Naramani, all because he felt like he had to show up for the people of Liverpool. This guy is the symbol of Liverpool MMA for so, so long. And I just think he's brilliant. He's a star. He has um, beautiful hair. He has an amazing <laughs> submission game. And now he has a very well-rounded game of striking. Facing answer It's Julian Arosa. He was meant to have a star-making moment that night. It was the same night that Conor McGregor became a double champion at MSG. And Paddy the Baddy was fighting Arosa, puked in the cage afterwards. And there was a lot of negative sentiment about the scorecard. So that's the fight to do. They've both improved drastically. And right now, Paddy, I've talked to him. He is considering whether to fight um, at 145 or 155 next. But whether it's the UFC coming to call, I don't know. <laughs> that, was, that was a pretty abrupt stop. And I, that was it was, um, yeah, there's no information that you might potentially know in the background or anything. It's great. Um, Absolutely Absolutely nothing. You haven't had any conversations with him this week or anything. Well, my my uh, my thing is, can we just get a clean cut of you saying he has great hair? Man, he has the most beautiful hair. I mean, the man's hair is like his <laughs> crown. Like people think, like that by slagging his hair, he's gonna be like, oh, I better change my hair. He has inspired like thousands of kids in Liverpool to get this same haircut. When he used to fight at the Echo Arena, this is Cage Warriors, by the way. This is in the UFC. He used to sell it out. The same place where Darren Till fought Stephen Thompson. Go mm. back and watch those fights on on uh, Fight Pass. The energy is unbelievable. He also was one of the best walkouts in all of MMA. He comes out to some remix of "Where's Your Head At" and uh, Tiesto Adagio for strings, I think, or Tiesto something else. Um, I forget what it's called. I'm not a big dance music fan, but it's <laughs> unbelievable. It is. It's one of the greatest entrances ever. Even without a crowd, he's done it twice now, and it's completely electrifying, man. I. I I can't say enough good things about Paddy Pimblett. So many people wrote him off for so many years. And I always knew he had the talent. He had the star potential. And uh, it's great to see him put it together like he did last weekend against David Martinez. And how many times do you see a prospect deciding when he's going to the UFC, by the way? He said no yeah, to him on a yeah. couple of occasions. Yeah. He wins that fight and he's like, I'm going to the UFC. And even the promoter, Graham Boylan, is like, I don't know if he's going to the UFC. So if that happened, that would be crazy, right? Yeah. Would you say, so let me ask you this question. Would you say he's no. le- legitimately, and I won't, I won't ask it, I swear to God, Lawton, would you say, <laughs> just ask Lawton. Please no. Would you say, Lawton, that he's the biggest star in the UK? Of course, <clears throat> of course, PT answered, though. <laughs> Lawton's just like, um, I, 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 don't, think, I don't know. 
I think like because of Darren Till and stuff, I think it's it's very hard to say that Till's huge, right? Like he's mm. a massive deal. But Paddy is like he's like a cult hero. Mm. You know, he he is a guy one of the most captivating interviews in the sport, one of the most unique characters in the sport. One of the things I didn't want him to go to the UFC for so long for was because of the shorts. He wears Sakuraba shorts. Yeah. And it's just been this thing he's been doing since he's a kid. And literally a kid, like when this guy came on the scene, he was 19. And I think he won his first title with Cage Warriors when he was 20. And as you guys know, because you're not casuals, when you get that Cage Warriors belt, it's pretty much a waiting game of when do you want to go to the UFC? And, you know, it's just, everything's come together perfectly. And if it was to happen, we don't know if it will happen or not. We definitely don't know that. But if it happens... That would be great. Well, they're saying like a uh, big part of the rumors that he's going to sign with the UFC is he's been showing up on the website for, I, I've never even tried this. I didn't even know this existed no on the website, but there's a, no comment. <laughs> no comment, but there's a fantasy matchmaking element on apparently the UFC's website that I've never even known existed, but there's been screenshots that people have been putting up online where he doesn't have a picture with it yet, but his name is now selectable. And I don't know, maybe they've taken it down since then because they haven't announced the news, but it is no one comment. of those things where, <laughs> uh, out of comment, whenever you're ready, we're waiting for your comment. Um, it, it could be one of those things, you know, where that's an indication that he's already been signed to the UFC. So we'll we'll find out super quick here. So, yeah, no. yeah I think it's great. I mean, he's a huge star, and it's the biggest. There's there's no doubt about this. If they were to sign him, he is the biggest star in the actual UK, outside of the UFC. Period. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think you can argue with that. I'd say the the his big rival, who they're actually quite friendly, I think now. But for many years, the fight that everybody wanted on the UK scene was him and the great Brendan Lockton, who's now mm. signed the PFL. Those guys were like head to head. Who's the best featherweight in the UK for many years? Uh, Brendan was fighting for the Bama featherweight championship while uh, Paddy was the Cage Warriors featherweight champion. So that was something everybody always wanted to do but it's probably never going to happen. But it's always been one of those talking points. Yeah. And the boy, like, th- there's a huge uh, rivalry between Manchester and Liverpool as it is. Brendan's obviously the poster boy for Mancunian MMA. And then Paddy as the poster boy for Liverpoolian MMA. It would have been great if that had to happen. And I love both the lads, but um, it never got off the ground. I forget what the question is. What are we doing? Pizzi's Pigs in podcast sponsored by P3 Protein or produced by... Yeah, yeah, Freaking cracked me up. Getting small with P3. Yes, (laughs) yes. We are sponsored by P3. No, no, we're not. Um, All right, moving on to the final Kumite headline we got this week. So, chat, same thing. Pizzi or Jason, who should take this one in the chat? This one's a little long, and I'm going to kind of show some stuff on the screen while I preface this. So, the headline is Gordon Ryan to one. So, as I'm, I'm going to try to multitask and read this and show this how it goes. So, yeah, there you go. for those who don't know, Gordon Ryan is one of the most accomplished BJJ athletes in the world and has been teasing a crossover to MMA for a few years now. He has just <laughs> officially signed with one championship. Nice. So, will he be a star in MMA? And what you're seeing on the screen are all of his gold medal, like, BJJ um, gold medals. I said that backwards. So average, just to give a little, not do that what, good. He's yeah, average middle of the road, you know, not that yeah, good. Yeah. Super like, yeah, he's not winning a ton of medals each year in BJJ and almost can you block a double leg though, gold. bro? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, bro. 
So what about ground and pound, bro? <laughs> Unreal. Huh? So let's dive to the chat. Who should take this one about Gordon Ryan to one? Do 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 do. Looking like one, PT one, is winning one. so far. That's, that's Come true. on. Yep. I Fuck think yeah. I think PT will be finishing this one out for us. So. Bullshit ass bias. Fuck it ass. So much bias, right. dude. So PT, give us your thoughts. Gordon Ryan moving over to one. Will he be a star in MMA? You got one minute starting now. The guy's already a star. That's the thing, right? He they have never had a more polarizing man in jiu-jitsu as Gordon Ryan. He is the king, the self-proclaimed king, and I agree with him. The guy is absolutely genius. He is an unbelievable grappler. There's no doubt about that, but that's something we've seen so many times in the UFC. We've seen Rodolfo Vieira getting submitted mm. uh, just a matter of weeks ago, one of the greatest jiu-jitsu competitors of all time. But what Ryan brings to the table that Rodolfo didn't is his personality, his polarizing nature. He knows how to sell. He knows how to get people talking. He just slapped Andre Galvao upside the head two weeks ago. So I think he's won all already in, in MMA, to be honest. But this is the type of stuff that gets promoters salivating. It's not just about his skill set. It's about who he is. The guy brings so much to the table. A handsome gentleman, too. Um, put him in there against Rug Rug for me. If we're going to do a debut, you want to make some noise, put him in with Rug Rug. That's what I'd like oh, to see. <laughs> all right. One minute on the dot. So, Jason, tossing it to you. Gordon Ryan moving to one. Will he be a star, or is he already a star, as PT said? So, one minute. Give us your thoughts, starting now. This is one of the things that I've really enjoyed that one has actually done in the past couple of years. They were first to get, you know... Well, actually, that was Ryzen that had Crone, so Ryzen did it as well. But we got guys like... Oh, shit, I forgot his name. Gary, <laughs> Gary Tonin. Gary Tonin, thank you. We got guys like that getting signed over there, and I think it's really smart to get people who are making their way towards the sport and giving them a nice place to start. It's kind of like what Bellator does in the U.S. It's a really, really good thing to do to bring people along. And uh, I think for Gordon Ryan, there's absolutely no doubt that he's going to be a star in MMA if he can just manage to get a couple of wins. The question is, will he be a star in MMA? Um, if he doesn't win, I mean, then the, the jig's up. You know what I mean? So he has to win just like everybody else. But yeah, if you ask me, I think he'll be a huge star. I think he'll do really well. It's a question of when does he get to uh, the West? When does he get to America? When does that happen? And that's when it'll really blow up. Yeah, because America is the only place in the world that can give these guys a test, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's it, man. Um, well, I mean, I just don't think... Uh, so, I mean, there's no doubt about it. So I'll just say this out loud. There's no doubt about it that the America profile... is the greatest country in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, even if he was fighting in Cage Warriors, I feel like there'd be more, um, more impressions of what's going on. Because the thing is, like, if you look at... Eddie Alvarez, and you look at DJ's career, they got some huge fights coming up over the next couple of weeks. But it feels like they've fallen off a cliff in terms of being in the headlines and being in the news. Just because, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, obviously COVID hit last year and that affected a ton of things. But it feels like they're fighting in a week, April 7th, right? Week and a half, whatever mm -hmm. that is. They're fighting here soon, and it feels like there's virtually no buzz for it. And of course, DJ always had problems with that. Eddie Alvarez, I wouldn't say had problems with that. I think Eddie Alvarez was was in some highly anticipated fights, minus Conor McGregor, like the Poirier fight, like the Cowboy fight when he debuted in the UFC, of course, with Chandler, even in Bellator. I feel like the 
the groundswell underneath them of fan support has kind of fallen off because they're just, here's the thing, you know, it's like, it's not even just that it's America, quote unquote, because I get that, that that's the joke, but the, the media isn't there. Who's, who's there getting the hey, interviews? You know what I mean? Like dude, 74 billion people. Watch <laughs> All right. What, what are you talking Mike Shatri has said that over a hundred billion trillion people watch the last event so what's the need for media when you've got seven bazillion viewers every event i like how you just made up trillion. like yeah it's even more um you didn't make it up those are official reports sorry 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 for saying otherwise um what's official viewing figures jay (laughs) this is ironclad science baby um well so like i think that's the biggest problem of being in singapore and you know we're starting to get looped into some of these emails for media stuff so i mean they're trying to include the western media but as western stars where their base is i think that's one of the difficult things is mma junkie's not there MMA fighting's not there the mac life isn't there all those big ones that you've never heard of nobody is there that is doing these interviews that are usually getting out to people espn's not a part of it and they are able to do some virtual stuff but it's not these in-depth pieces like the one that they just shot with sean o'malley the you know the piece that um stipe is doing with ariel wani there just isn't the same exposure right now and i think that's the problem of being landlocked on the other side of the planet during a pandemic who knows maybe it'll pick up but that's why i think gordon ryan will really explode when he gets over to uh, you know just any of the western um established you know uh, more among the media the the western media yeah, that's no, the big key yeah I agree. I was only pulling pulling your leg about the American stuff. I've got to. I've got that chip on my shoulder. I've got to represent. You know what I mean, <laughs> hey, I yeah, do have you're... to. We do have a reputation for a reason as being a little arrogant. So I had to. I had to backpedal a little bit and explain too. So it's all <laughs> fair game. <laughs> Lon's the most arrogant. I am the most arrogant. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I, well, I would be aware of that beautiful lot, and I'll tell you that much. I'll be an arrogant piece. <laughs> If I had that that face for you, my friend. Just stroke that beard on camera for a couple. Dude, like, I gotta, I gotta trim this. It's getting ridiculous. You <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> just released the whole video of Lawton just stroking his beard into a very sensitive just microphone. Just sitting here talking like that. <laughs> and that's weird. I don't like that. Nope. Mm-mm. No, Dude. not doing that. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm tapping out. That was weird. That made me feel uncomfortable. Everyone's on board. <laughs> Faith Rock says, uh, "Not safe for work." Uh, beard strokes. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, so our viewers have gone up as a result of that, which is great. Um, oh, crap, we have 2,000 viewers now. <laughs> yeah, a billion viewers. We got all of one's uh, listeners as well. So here's the question for you guys then. So what do you think of any of those topics? What do you guys want to dive into a little bit deeper? And what have we not touched on? Crone's stand-up is exactly like Nate. He needs to train outside of his circle. Oh, Kiss, Tro- Kiss Tofa. I don't know who he means by Nate. Of course he wouldn't mean Nate Diaz. I don't think it's exactly like Nate Diaz at all. It couldn't be any further apart. If anything, it's more like the old Hoist Gracie. Like, you see him doing that classic, like, push kick, where he'll just kind of stand oh, with his, like... Yeah, yeah, that's like the old thing that Hoist always used to do inside the cage. It's a very old-school Gracie Jiu-Jitsu way of trying to keep back strikers while they're trying to strike, and then he goes for the takedown in the midst of that while they're not expecting it. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of thing. And, of course, the Cubs-Swanson fight, I don't think he looked like Nate Diaz at all in that fight. I think Crone is legit. He just, yeah, we'd like to hopefully see a little bit of that more develop. He's obviously... It's going to be a huge deal, man. Like, I mean, the guy, his his lineage alone, like, you're the son of the greatest. 
you know what I mean? As far as jujitsu circles see Hicks and Gracie, I know MMA crowds are kind of like, you're not 400 and no, bro. Nobody really <laughs> believed it was. Like, you know, but you go back and watch the documentary Choke, and you see how much this guy evolved jujitsu. Yeah. See how he made it like a cultural thing in, in the US when they all moved to California. Like, Crone is a really interesting dude. He's a flat earther. More power to him. But, like, you know, it's a... He's a skeptic, he's an bro. He's just interesting a skeptic. Guy. Watch the video if you are if you want to know a bit more about Crone. A great video to watch is made by... Oh, I forget the guy's Vice? name, but it's a it's a, it's, it's a, no, no, it's a device did do video. video, but you're talking about, I think his name is Stuart Cooper. Um, Hmm. but it's basically Eddie Bravo talking about, I believe it was like an ADCC final with him and Gary Tonin and Hickson Hmm. watching the fight and his reaction to the fight. It's unbelievable. Just type in, uh, Stuart Cooper, um, Crown Gracie, Gary Tonin. And it's really worth your time. It's brilliantly edited. It's fantastic. Nice. Yeah. I need to see that. JTBA says it's because the MMA media generally don't even watch Eastern promotions. Ask them anything about one, they couldn't tell you a thing. You think that, JTBA? Do you really think that? I feel like um, it's harder to keep up with. You know, I think uh, there are a lot of cards where the name value absolutely isn't there. Um, but a lot of their cards, I think part of that, though, is a lot of their cards turn into kickboxing cards. So if you're covering MMA, you're just not as interested. But anytime, like... I don't know. I don't know anybody who couldn't talk about, uh, you know, the bigger fights. Absolutely. Like Anlan Sang, um, Angela Lee, Christian Lee. I don't know anybody who couldn't talk about those people. You know, Brandon Vera being champion over there. You couldn't. <laughs> Are you really? Okay. Well, fair enough. Um, I mean, I guess. Oh, I, mean, I was like, Jesus, volunteering <laughs> that. Um, I think there's just less coverage of it because it's less accessible. It's just as simple as that, you know. The the real money for people that are going out to get interviews is, you know, in person with high def cameras. You know, that's where people really want to pay attention because anybody can do a Skype interview right now. I see, I do see people in MMA media trying to do interviews with Demetrius Johnson or Eddie Alvarez, you know, um, but they're getting like a hundred views because everyone else is also trying to do that. You know, um, it's a schedule. The scheduling issue for most of the sites you see yeah. because all of the fights are happening like you know like especially next week like it, it's going to be just reaction to 260 all week like you know it is like yeah. these pay-per-views create so many storylines for them the whole um the whole revenue is based off people clicking on the on the articles and reading them mm-hmm. so that's they're just going to ram that down your neck next will be Poirier McGregor or is Habib retired again it's basically just talking points that you know, they know will stimulate the audience. So it's difficult. Um, I know that junkie and, and fighting do cover these events, but it's very hard to do secondary treatments, like in terms of pre-fight, post-fight interviews, as Jason said, when you're not there. So they're usually just result pieces. So yeah, I think they do cover it. It's just very hard for them to cover everything and send people to these events and then be like, oh yeah, I know we spent $5,000 sending our crew over there, <laughs> but let's get one of you to write up the one championship interviews. You know, yeah. it's just, it's difficult. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I would definitely consider it a resource thing, 100%. I mean, it's just difficult. And the one thing that I would counter to that, so to JT Lowe's point, whenever they, do you remember when it was Sage Northcutt, Eddie Alvarez, and DJ? I believe that was in LA that they did a press conference. There was a media frenzy around that whole thing. 
when they are available and one sets up the the media events inside the U.S., people do show up for them, and they have the right stars. I mean, people would love to get Angela Lee an interview, Christian Lee online saying, those people speak English extraordinarily well, Brandon Barrett. Like, there are a lot of champions among their ranks, Bibiano Fernandez, you know, people that can really talk extremely well and put together um, some great media um, you know, so. this, like Gordon Ryan's going to do that as well. Gordon Ryan is a guy people are going to want to interview. Oh my god, you know, yes, that, that's a huge, huge um, creates huge talking points within jiu-jitsu. I feel like the whole of yes. jiu-jitsu is being held up on this guy's back sometimes. Mm. So there's no doubt about it. He's going to add a lot of interest to them cards as well. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's a tough one. You know, how do you bridge that gap? And hopefully that can be done a little bit better soon here. But, um. Hamzat, uh, oh yeah, Hamzat's uh, Twitter post about him coming back. What do you think about it? I actually didn't see the actual Twitter post. What what did the actual he had Twitter post say? And he was like, "I'm coming to smash." So, <laughs> did he really post that? Please tell me he didn't post yeah, a gun. It's him with a rifle, uh-huh. kind of illustrated, and he's like, "I'm coming back to smash." So look, it's like a. I think that's oh, great. Wow, he really I did post that. Yeah. Okay. It's it's. Like, it's great that he's back. Like I, I, That's what I just felt. Like We all just needed to ease the fuck off here because I'm sure he was on the phone trying to get over this shit, going back to the gym so he could please his bosses at the UFC and getting back in the gym and then doing further damage. Like I'm happy to see him do that. I hope he's made the decision off his own accord and I hope he's 100%. The UFC shouldn't be bringing him back unless he's 100% as far as I'm concerned because boy, do we want to see a diminished product of what this guy was. Mm. Uh, let's make sure he's... 100% and let's maybe just slow it down a bit let's not maybe throw him into a, a fight right at the top of the, yeah. the bracket after such an ordeal he's had um let's make sure he's still the same guy and then let's think about doing that yeah ramp it back up let it let the like kind of a little bit of time and separation from this thing mean something and uh let him actually recover give him you know people have been talking about this in MMA for years and years and years tune up fights are a great thing for big fighters. I always feel bad for the guy that has to be the tune-up fight for sure. But, you know, if you really want these people to reach their potential, don't throw them in the fire every goddamn time you can. You know, like, let's slow it down a little bit, give this guy some breathing room, and give him a a little bit more reasonable fight relative to being ranked at number 15 in the division with only one fight against Reese McKee, who is really a 155er, as great as he is. Um, So, yeah. I'm on board with you there. Uh, I wonder if Don Cerrone is just staring at his phone in pure terror at the moment, just like, please don't ring. Please don't <laughs> ring. No. Oh, man. That would be a, a reasonable fight to set up at 170. It would feel like um, sacrificing to the to the new guys. But, I mean, Donald Cerrone's game, man. If anybody's going to test him, it would be somebody like Donald Cerrone. Absolutely. Um, let's see what else. what else you guys think. Uh, do you guys think it's crazy that Stipe's age uh, is not being talked about? He's starting to look a bit weathered. Well, his hair looks better than it's ever looked. <laughs> he's uh, he's grown into that that look all right. I, I, I think he looks all right to me. Um, how old is he actually now? 38, 39, somewhere around there? Can pull that one up when you get a chance. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting point. I, I do think that is absolutely a factor in this fight. I mean, what was that? Um, UFC 220 is what it was. That was, what, three years ago? I mean, so, yeah, things definitely got out of the bounce. So he is 38. Okay. That's 38 or 39, I figure, is what he was. I mean, we see guys go on a whole lot longer than that, though. You know, we've seen the Randy Couture's. 
uh, go on until they're 44, 45, you know. We see guys last a long time. Dan Henderson, of course, Daniel Cormier, um, you know, plenty of people out there that are still thriving. And until they start to show you signs of aging, show you that they're starting to slow down, I generally don't think too much of it. There has to be a sign that they're slowing down for me to make a big deal out of that. And I always kind of feel bad for them too when a lot of people focus on that age without something. I I wonder, like, here's a real question. I wonder how much that affects their own psyche and makes them start to doubt themselves because they're being bombarded with questions about their age. Like, oh, maybe I am getting old. (laughs) Like, does that ever kind of, you know, get through and actually start to form cracks in their confidence. What are you saying? Yeah. Like, I mean, it could, like, I mean, I feel like we've seen it over the years where there are questions asked, like, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Francis Ngannou is sick to his teeth of people asking about his cardio, about his, (laughs) about his grappling, about all this stuff because he's going to be inundated this week. Let's yeah. be honest. Every time he's probably going to be on Sports Center, they're going to ask him about it. He's probably going to be on some morning show. They'll ask him about it because, you know, it, they are the biggest questions. So I think the same with the age thing. Any reoccurring question that he's for it is that's slightly critical or um, has an air of criticism to it. It is going to frustrate them because they're trying to be ironclad. They're trying to be ironclad ahead of. Every fight is the biggest fight of these guys' lives. Mm. In the UFC, it's like that. You you can be Super on a great Bowl. run, lose a fight, and then you can just be, you know, a piece of trash, basically. Like, that's the way the fan base is. They're so recent. The, the recency bias in this sport is unlike anything else I've ever seen in my life. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's always... Things like that are always going to play into these guys' um, pre-fight mentality. And and they've been pretty, pretty like, you know overt with the fact that it does get to them it does annoy them so mm. yeah i think it would here's a really interesting point from howard tran here what's up howard good to see you here hey, how are you? i love it how the ufc promotes stipe versus Ngannou as the biggest baddest rematch and then on the embedded episode they are the two most normal dudes ever so actually like reading that makes me think of how often that's actually been the case of heavyweights you know, outside DC, of maybe Brock, yeah, DC, I mean, even Fedor, you know, obviously he had a crazy aura about him, but in terms of physique, he was about as normal and as plain as it got, you know? Um, you know, Kane never had some crazy physique to him or anything like that, you know? It's like a lot of guys that are the baddest men on the planet, it's like... Um, I think uh, ju- uh, for jiu-jitsu, Joe Rogan has a, a term for a lot of the guys who are really excelling at jiu-jitsu these days. He calls them nerd assassins. I feel like there's a bit of that in MMA. You know, it's the toughest, like, ridiculous, most grueling sport in the planet. But on the same token, <laughs> a lot of those dudes, I mean, they're just... I mean, you talk to Michael Chandler, you know what I mean? Uh, like, guys that we've had, Stephen Thompson. And not to say there aren't people that, you know, are just straight gangsters in the sport, too. There definitely are that. But there are a lot of people that are just, like, normal folks. Like, you think um, DC went to college. You know, Stipe went to college. You know, like, a lot of these champions going down the line. You know, of course, Kane went to college. A lot of these guys have full, you know, educations going for secondary education, four-year college degrees. And uh, I think that's the thing. It's a bit deceptive. You want to almost think they're going to be like this Mike Tyson dude that grew up on the streets and kind of, you know, went through this grueling um, past. Of course, in Ganu, he probably went through a more grueling past than anybody else out there, but he's also the nicest guy on the planet, like Howard was pointing out there. So it's not even guaranteed 
who you're going to be when you're the baddest man on the planet. I think there's something humbling about it. I think that might be it. I think the big takeaway from what Jason just said is he is accused both Stephen Thompson and Michael Chandler of being nerds. Just remember that. <laughs> Just remember that. Make sure someone tweet them and let them know. That was disgraceful. <laughs> They're a couple of losers. Um, Brian Young, <laughs> Daniel, <laughs> Donald Cerrone versus Diego Sanchez in the works. Oh, don't. Uh... I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense based on where they're at in their career. I'm just not into it. <sighs> I mean, anything with Diego Sanchez really just kind of gets my eyes rolling. What about you? Can you get up well, for a match like that? He's one of the best coaches in the world. And that's been a <laughs> big resurging force in his career. Josh Fabia. I know Josh is one of the greats. And uh, look, I mean, that performance against Michel Pereira. I mean, how are you going to tell me that Diego Sanchez isn't back? So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how I feel about it. Yeah, Fabio is now coaching him. I can't believe it's not Butter. Um, well, so, and yeah, I guess in February they were talking about this fight, early February. So is it just still not finalized? Because the article that you got pulled up here is from February 5th. So I, I don't know what the deal is. I guess they're looking okay, at for May 8th. What's that? Is that Tom Taylor's article from the Bleacher Report? Yeah. Lovely man, Tom. Or no, Mike. Mike. Mike Chieri. Oh, I don't know Mike. Yeah, no, Lyon, thanks for just lying. You know, Sorry. we we <laughs> we have a business based myself. on efficiency and accuracy. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, I guess we'll see what's up with that. I'm not I'm not too into it. Um, these live things are garbage. Stick to the top tens. Well, this is the extras channel. You're a bam, so you can fuck off. <laughs> yeah, dickhead. Don't fuck yourself. Seriously, Thank like, you. how, how vapid do you have to be as a human being to be just like, give me a 10-minute video, nothing else, bro. Like, yeah, you can seriously fuck off, bam. Get the fuck out of here. Okay, there we go. I said it. I said it in a nice way. I said it in the nicest way Super I could. Don't yeah. fuck himself in the nicest way you can possibly say that. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Hey, did we did we see that middle super chat? Sorry to chime in. Oh no no, I did not see it. I don't because I, I know I called Ryan Coates on that, but yeah, that middle one. I don't think we've read it out. If you wanna, or I can't either. Or um, yeah, I don't have any idea how to pronounce this name. Latterstead. We'll go with that. Five dollars. Right. Just want to drop some dollars for you guys in three words plus a number. Nunez versus Shevchenko. Three. It's time. Keep it up. Well, actually, you have an interesting take on this one, Pizzi. Which. I don't. You're not for it, right? Nunez versus Shev, oh, Shev, yeah. Shevchenko three. Yeah, I mean, I feel like what, what, what? Where's the, where's the plus for Amanda Nunez in that fight? She's got two wins over Valentina. Granted, the second one was very close, but you have this person we look at as this um, immovable object now at 125, like the way we see Amanda Nunez at 135. I think it would be a big mistake because it could be like the Lima Musasi situation mm. we saw in Bellator. They Lima, everybody in the world is saying Lima is the best welterweight outside of the UFC. He goes in and fights Musasi and uh, loses the fight. And even though he hasn't fought at welterweight, it tarnishes him. Like you, you cannot you think so. You cannot like. Well, I mean, when's I the last time anyone talked about loss. Diego? When's any like I haven't heard anyone talk about that guy since then. Like, where's the buzz gone? It's not there. Like, that's what I feel like it would happen if they did Amanda <laughs> and Valentina again. Like, Amanda looks, like, unbelievable at the moment. I, it's, well, here's, I don't know why. Go ahead. Sorry, you're in the middle of a rant. I'm just, like, asking questions. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up. No, but I just, I just don't know why the UFC would do that when you have this. Like, what, what we want to know is who is the best in each weight class. 
and to do this a third time when there's really like what what will that open it up to like a five fight series then i mean it's just i don't know i, I just think it would take away from the other divisions to be honest if they were to do that mm. well so two questions what would it do for amanda nunez what I think it would do is a challenge, you know, on the most basic sport level. Obviously, there's risk involved in it, but I don't think she has a challenge right now. So I think that would be the most basic answer to that question. B, Douglas Lima, I don't think he's in the news right now because he doesn't have anything booked. And so he's not doing any press or anything. I think I thought he looked outstanding in that fight because he hurt Gegard. Like we literally made a list right after that one went up of 10 times the fighter who lost really hurt the guy that they lost to you know and uh Gegard Musasi took a beating in that fight he won in terms of the points you can't disagree with the criteria he absolutely won but his legs were absolutely torched up the harder shots were coming from Lima and at the end of that like <laughs> you look at Gegard and he's just like thank god that's over I know I won here's my hand being raised but thank god that's over it was a competitive competitive fight and Gegard is one of the best to ever do it but I also get what you're saying. I tend to be more charitable to people in their losses. Like when Ferguson lost to Oliver, I'm like, dude, Oliver's just that good. Gaethje's just that good. But a lot of people, they don't really see it that way. And they tend to, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, want to say that they're washed up or something. So I, I see your point. But I do think that, like, you can look really good in a loss, especially when it's multi-divisional and it's against another champion. I think you can look really good. And I, I personally think he looked great despite that Gegard loss. And that would be my answer to that that primary question you had. What's in it for, maybe it's not enough for her, but I do think that the pure sporting aspect of it is who else is she going to fight that's going to challenge her? And if she wants a challenge, that's that's it. Like, you know, we're talking about how well um, Lima did against Musasi. Like, I agree with you there. I agree that Adesanya did great against Jan Blahovic, yeah. but how was the fan base reacted to it? Pussies. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like they, they just they, they couldn't wait to throw the guy under the bus. Like True. that's that's the way it goes. Like like oh, I thought he was going to be one of the greatest ever. He probably still will be one of the greatest ever. Yeah, you know, like it's just recency bias once again. So like that's the way it goes. That's the way the cookie crumbles in this game. Hurt business, baby. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, you know, speaking of this uh, main event this weekend, a lot of people said that Inganu was done. After the first Stipe one, they were like, oh, yeah, it's a, a hype train derailed. Oh, no, no, it was, um, what, what, what did they use to describe Ronda Rousey? He was exposed. They, they basically went the same route with Rousey losing to Holly Holm. He was exposed. And to a certain extent, yeah, he was exposed in a certain couple of ways, but he was very, very young into his career, as you pointed out. I felt like that was very cognizant to me, and I'm sure it was cognizant to you and a lot of people watching at the time, that he was very, very young and new to the sport. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. There is the recency bias. There absolutely hundred percent is that shitty side of the fan base. I don't care. Like, I know maybe some of you are in this chat. I don't care who hears me saying this. There is a shitty contingent to the fan base that just forgets that these people are human beings. And what they're doing is, I don't know, trying to be the best at something on the whole goddamn planet. <laughs> it's just like, dude, just dude, try doing that at anything. We put up the prospects video. I was laughing with Lawton about this before we mm. came on. We put up the prospects video of Mohamed <laughs> Makayev, who is one of the greatest amateurs MMA has ever seen. He's been competing since he's 15. 15 years of age. He's now 20 years of age. Mm. And he's won 27 fights combined between amateur and pro. And people in the comments going, 
man, he's just crushing a load of cans. You realize he's fighting the best amateurs from these respective countries. Like, you shouldn't know who these people are. You don't watch amateur MMA. Why the fuck would you know who they are? <laughs> and you're going, oh, I've never heard of this guy. He, who is he beating? What, what names is he beating? He's fucking 20. Yeah. Do you yeah. realize that? From the age of 15 to 20, he had 27 fights and didn't win one. And you're going, huh, haven't heard of any of these guys. Well, so like, and here's... My- it, it shows that I think a lot of those people, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take responsibility for our side of the, you know, the globe that doesn't have the IMAF representation here. People don't no, understand. Do. You, you, you just lose. You are in it. You just lose all the time. All right. <laughs> That's how it happens. Well, like the IMAFs are just like the incredible quality. Like if you rattle off Mokayev's like just you know, attributes as a human being going through martial arts until he got to MMA. Like the credentials of people going through the IMAFs are like the pros here. It, it's ridiculously high standard. Like it's like Shorty Torres won a gold medal at the IMAFs. James Gallagher competed at the IMAFs. Liam McCord, who's a big deal in Bellator now, competed at the IMAFs. Like don't mm. like just because you don't know what it is. Like don't don't shit on the guy who's done something incredible. Mm. You know, like it, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, like it, it's it's unfortunate. I think more people need to get turned on to what the IMAFs are doing, and that I think is so important is they're really establishing a bar for pro MMA. They really are. You know, we're here. I would say in the uh, in the Americas in America, we uh we had CM Punk start one and zero and go right into the UFC. So when people go pro, it kind of doesn't mean anything. What IMAF is doing is actually establishing a high class standard. I mean, when you say you're pro football, I mean in 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 any context, the American context, the world context of what football means. When people go pro in other sports, the NBA, the NFL, NHL, MLB, when they go pro, you're like, oh shit, you're really fucking good. Pro in MMA literally means you can be CM Punk. I could be a pro tomorrow. I could show up on a card tomorrow. Pro doesn't mean dick in combat sports. It doesn't mean anything in boxing either. We got guys like Jake Paul out there. We got guys like Askren, to be fair, who doesn't really have business being called a pro boxer. And, you know, that's not to discredit his that's NCAA, Jason. his athletic... That's Jason's <laughs> opinion. That's Jason's opinion. Hey, Askren, you want to hang out? Um, <laughs> let's play some disc golf, bro. Um, so it's just one of those things. People, I think the perception that people have is they don't realize that the IMAFs are a shark tank. It's ridiculous how high level it is. And so those people that are coming out of the the amateurs, the amateur scene, going through that will absolutely crush half of the people that are pros around the world. Especially if you're winning those tournaments, you're almost guaranteed to a title in some organization. You know, like um, uh, Hamzat won an IMAF, didn't he? I, I know he so, competed yeah. I in the IMAFs. So. I believe he was undefeated as an amateur. I could, yeah, definitely look that up for but, us. Fact check me it's on like- that. But it's, it's like people don't realize these guys fight every day over there. They don't cut mm. weight. You show up on weight, make sure you're mm. on weight, and then you fight every day until you have a gold medal put on you. Like that's insane. That is, like that's that's incredible. Yeah, there you go. That that they can do that. You walk into a room and there's five cages, and there's all these different countries. They all. This is the closest thing we've got from to government recognition for this sport as well, which is very important. Yes. They're trying to get this yes. to the Olympics. I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but the fact that you have people coming out representing their countries, it's the closest thing that we have to the Olympics and MMA. Like, I mean, it, it's it's a big deal. I still think they're, they're, they're struggling to get some recognition from 
sport accord or vada but they're they're trying man and they have guys at the top of that like uh denzine white who has really been through this process already with the judo federation so mm. I, I think they're in a great place to do it the best place anyone's ever been at to have mma recognized as a global sport imf imf are driving that far more than the ufc in my opinion just to fact check, I did lie. He didn't actually compete in the IMAF, but he did beat an IMAF world champion. Yeah. Uh, so, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So that, and see, the that's confusion. a recognition. When you beat an IMAF world champion, that's a big fucking deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, Khaled Lalam. I didn't want to say it out loud. But <laughs> figure I might as well give him his recognition for being a champion as well. But yeah, that's a huge deal. I mean, there's a real standard. You're actually saying something when you're beating somebody like that and you're going to those ranks. I mean, it's a real shark tank. I mean, like... You know, people talk about the tough house and things like that. I feel like, uh, you know, to a certain extent, depending on the season, you know, some seasons have been real shark tanks on that show. But I feel like, especially when you're first starting out, that kind of pressure going up against some of these people, they, these Sambo world champs, you know, these kickboxing world champs, they're cr- trying to make their crossover. Those are the kind of people that are getting thrown into that meat grinder. You know, it's like, it's so impressive. So, yeah, there's our... <laughs> There's our big long rant about this whole subject, but moving on to some of the super chats. Jose Gomez, assuming this rematch goes the same way the first match did, would you guys like me think it's time for Stipe to hang him up while on top? Ooh, that's a great He's going to want that Jones fight, man. Are you joking me? That's the biggest carrot dangle of all time. Whoever wins this fight, do you realize the amount of money that will be riding on John Jones' heavyweight debut? I honestly think Nganu v. Jones is huge. Mm-hmm. I, I think if Stipe goes out and beats Nganu the way he did last time, that's huge. So there's no way. I think there's one more fight at least for Stipe before he hangs them up. John Jones, man. His heavyweight debut. Come on. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, it really does look like John Jones. So if you watch the sparring footage that he's posting on his Instagram, you know, on his Twitter feed, he's definitely bulking up. Like, you can see it. And he keeps calling himself Fat John Jones. That's what he keeps calling himself. He's definitely... It looks like he's for real serious about this thing. It's not just a negotiation tactic to try to get more money to get another title fight against Jan or something like that. It seems really legit. So, yeah, I think if you're Stipe, you want that fight. Yeah, absolutely. John, and then you can retire. T Bones Jones. T Bones. Uh, I guess it's just big T Bone steak. Yeah. Um. Let's see, uh, Curry Neba. What's up, Curry Neba? Good to see you in here. Serious question: Can a DC size Henry Cejudo beat Ngannou? <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that mean? A DC? You're like, you're just saying like DC in the frame of Henry? What? <laughs> yes. Serious question. Very serious question. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you a serious answer. Yes, absolutely. The answer is yes. Uh, uh, Zach, everyone wants Stipe to lose every fight and he keeps winning. Now they want him to retire. Who wants him to retire? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's just responding to that question. Yeah. I don't think so. No. I think the, the idea is, I think what Habib did, I think Habib just set an example. And so if there's anything like that, People love to see a good story, someone end out on top, you know, happily ever after type kind of thing. Just as much, you know, there's the other half of the contingent that just wants to see him keep going and see how far, you know, they soar, you know. But, uh, yeah, I think if there's anything, it's optimism for him as a champion. Because, I mean, especially if he beats Nganu like, twice, the way that guy's been massacring people in the heavyweight division, 
man, he, Stipe definitely has made that case just ridiculously strong. And then he beats John Jones, who a lot of people do see as the greatest fighter on the planet right now. If Habib was still around, it would be between those two. I mean, what what more can you say if he beats him? Like, this is a thing. I mean, John Jones is talking about money. If I'm Steve Amy Oge's manager, if he beats Francis Ngannou and they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to fight John Jones next, I'll be like, really? Really? Am I? <laughs> can we talk about that Deontay Wilder money again, please? <laughs> and for John Jones, it's a better fight. You know, like for Jones, it's a. I think the the problem with, to use the Deontay Wilder in there again, it's the Deontay Wilder bronze bomber one punch type of risk. Like that sucks. Like to just think like, it's like facing a boss in a video game, you know, in the most trivial comparison I can make. It's like facing a boss in a video game who just slices you once after you've almost beaten him, just gotten down to the very end. And you're just like, fuck. What am I supposed to do about that? You don't get a chance. You don't get to redo the fight. You don't get to go back in like a video game in real life. You got to wait a couple of years in most cases to get that (laughs) that rematch. It doesn't happen. Some people never, ever, ever rematch. They just lose and that's it. This would, of course, be a trilogy in their case, but man. The thing is for me, um, when you look at Nganu's skill set and you look at John Jones' last few fights at 205, he's getting hit a lot. You cannot afford to get hit by a dude like that. Oof. You cannot afford to get hit by a dude like that, especially when you're moving up a weight class. Mm. Like, I mean, you you just can't play that game. You, for me, that that's the thing about Jones. The thing that's really special about him is he matches all of his opponents in their strength areas. And, and he's a fantastic wrestler. He's a fantastic striker. He's got beautiful submissions. But the one thing he definitely cannot equal is Francis Ngannou's power. Mm. That is, without a doubt... That that is something you cannot play with if you go and fight that man. And and Steve Amy Ocic and, and Derek Lewis are the only ones in the UFC who have managed to negotiate that. And of course we know that Derek Lewis fight is famously tentative. I think I saw someone say the other day there's about two minutes of fighting action in that fight Oof. of fifteen minutes. So, you know, I, I think that's the big question that would that would be huge if, if it is Anganu v. John Jones. And how disrespectful, by the way, to Steve Amy Ocic that Dude. he won't even get like the thoughts of an immediate title rematch for the greatest heavyweight champion in the history of the UFC have just been taken away before the fight even happens. That would be it's, going it's the uh, Frankie Edgar route. So what was it? Frankie Edgar beats BJ Penn. They rematch because it was BJ fucking Penn. <laughs> and so after that, so that's that's one rematch. Then he goes up against Gray Maynard, draws with him, rematches with him. Then he fights Benson Henderson, loses to him, but it was a very close decision. They're like, well... We got to give him an immediate rematch. So he did three immediate rematches, all for the world title. Six fights. Six six fights. Exactly six. Six, baby. The, The palm counts. The palm counts. That's the six. So when you look at something like this, I mean, yeah, it's like that's what we just had for Stipe. Of course, DC had the fight in between with Derek Lewis. But in Stipe's case, it was lose to DC, fight DC, beat him rematch again for the trilogy and so you got three fights back to back for him of the same guy and then potentially Nganu, which would finish out their trilogy of course that was split up only by the dc by the way so it's like (laughs) you look back to 2018 you know really 2017 is when the training camp started that's the crazy thing to think about we're four years into this thing and he's been training for the same two guys for the last four years that's fucking crazy it's been he DC well, and Ghana the whole time. Oh yeah, 
Stipe looks in outrageous shape. Outrageous shape. I, I thought it was interesting. I, I was listening to DC and Hawani today, and DC was talking about how the weight will be very important. That's something to look out for because mm. he was saying he lost some weight yeah. for his for weight against Cormier because he wanted to be lighter so his hand speed would make a big difference. But he's saying if he comes in at that 230 limit, he's going to exhaust himself trying mm. to take down and Gani. He wants to be... DC said he'd prefer to see him around 240-ish. Yeah. Um, so he'd be able to to really deal with that strength. So that's an interesting thing to look out for there because uh, DC definitely knows a thing or two about fighting Stipe yeah. at this stage. Seriously. Yeah, that's, that's such a crazy thing to think about because, you know, it's like the lactic acid, the more muscle that you build up, you like bulk up, try to be big, strong, but then you're slower and your cardio isn't there. And that's what we saw with Shane Carwin after he totally blew out his gas tank against Brock Lesnar. He went and fought JDS. And I actually think that fight, I still think JDS would have won because JDS was just undeniable at the time. But Great. Shane Carwin, his whole thing was just, let me blast you once. The only thing that I think he really needed to adjust in between of that Brock Lesnar yeah. fight was just don't fall him to the ground. Let him stand back up and KO that son of a bitch. You know what I mean? Like, do something like that. And I feel like uh, Ace in this weird middle ground because it's not KO power like it was for Shane Carwin. It's 100% the grappling. If he's too light, then it's almost like you're more susceptible to getting caught, but you're faster and the gas tank is there. But if you're stronger, then you can really uh, get him down. I think that would be the the biggest thing, even more so than just like... It's just trying to get the guy down. A massive guy. Does he? What? What is? What did he actually weigh in in that first fight? Can you look that up, Lawton? Sorry. Who? Did he actually cut down for that first fight in Ganu? I can't remember. I know Derek Lewis cuts down to two sixty-five. I think he lost weight after that. Two fifty-nine. Lewis at a look. Two fifty-nine. Yeah. So right at the limit. Right. Right as uh, you know, six pounds under the limit. Which for heavyweight, very few heavyweights get that big. You know. And he's, it's all a fucking muscle, dude. Look, guy is an absolute killer. Do you think that plays into it? I heard uh, Helwani and DC talking about that, and it was interesting. I never thought about it. They said uh, the reason why Francis is the favorite going into this fight is because he looks like the image of what people think a heavyweight champion should look like. <laughs> he yeah. looks like he can conquer fucking worlds. Yeah. You know what I mean? He looks like. You know, even Rome when Will's built in a day and fucking Francis and Ganu conquered the, the entire empire and built it. It's crazy. Well, he was even like, even if you listen to that podcast with Joe Rogan and Ganu was one of the captains of getting people across yeah. that threshold to Morocco. Like this is a leader of men, essentially, like in the most in the most vulnerable situations people can be in. He's a guy that people look to and went, he'll show us the way. Do you think that? kind of plays into it the fact that he looks the way he does is that why all the casual money might be going on him in such a rampant way because he just looks so intimidating and and domineering man i just think there's no way he's not going to be better on the ground i mean who knows you know we've seen gdr versus amanda nunez and gdr did not look any better on the ground she did try to go for a submission attempt at one point it could be better, but the gulf between his and Stipe's skill set and grappling is just too yeah. vast to overcome in, in, in a matter of years. But it's it's like Eric Nixick said in our in our video feature. He's like, we just need him to be serviceable in the departments, yes. get back to his feet. Like they don't expect fucking Francis Ngannou to be hitting twisters on fucking Stipe and <laughs> like, Don't don't be ridiculous. He needs to just get back to his feet. That's yeah. that's what improvements in the grappling sections would be in this fight if you watch that fight stipe's holding him down in side control for 
a lot of the fight. And side control isn't a great control position. You can usually slip mm. out the back door there and get up. But he just didn't know. It seems he didn't know that that was how to do it. He just didn't have that um, cognition of what to do on the ground. Yeah. So if they bottom things like that, like what is the best way to get out of side control bottom? Yeah. Well, here's three avenues you could use. Like that will be a big help. I don't think that's... That's not rocket science, lads. Yeah. I mean, if he... It just comes back to that point of just needing to land one punch. I mean, like, so if it makes a difference to where he's not that much better, but he does stuff a takedown and lands a shot on the break that KOs him. That's all he needs. Yeah. That's, that's the, that <laughs> it's almost unfair. You know what I mean? It's like when some people just have like ridiculous, you know, it's like when Ryan Hall gets you to the ground, you go to the ground with that guy. It's pretty much game over from, I mean, you know, it's not the same BJ Penn, mind you, but he was called the prodigy, not because of MMA. It's because he was the fastest American to ever get a black belt. And within three years, he was an ADCC world champion. You know what I mean? Beating uh, the absolute top echelon of his sport. That's why they call him the prodigy. And uh, it was Lepre, one of them, wasn't it? That he beat in the final? Was it Lepre? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, I would have to look either. into it. But um, maybe Maybe it was Leandro Vieira. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I know the basics, and that's about as far as I can go with it. Um, yeah, yeah. So it would have been that Rio. Um, anyhow, yeah, Lawton's looking for it. But, yeah, so as far as that goes, though, you know, to that point, you know, it's like Ryan Hall got him down. Didn't matter that BJ had that background. Of course, he was diminished, not the same person. But it does show. Yeah, so you see all these accolades. Oh, did I pass it? Yeah, yeah. See, see all these accolades here? World Jiu-Jitsu... Well, it doesn't say who he beat, though. Yeah, it's it's so just saying what he did. Yeah. Yeah, Knocked somebody can put the semis. That's all I remember. <clears throat> yeah, you're looking at MMA records. There's nothing down here. I think I thought wrestling was below MMA, though. I guess not. No, no. The, stuff like Sorry, that that's doesn't really get... I apologize. <laughs> but the point still stands. Certain people, they have attributes. They have skills that are just absolute equalizers. I mean, even, you know, when it comes to Gilbert uh, Burns versus... I, I obviously I do think that Usman could have taken him down, but he didn't even want to. He didn't even want to risk it. He did the same thing with Maya. Once you have certain attributes and certain elements that are so dangerous, it's almost not even fair. So you just avoid those at all costs. And so naturally that's what Stipe is gonna have to do. You know, it's the no brainer tactic of the century. Take down the guy mm -hmm. who can knock you out with one shot. You know, it's the same thing for Anthony Johnson. It was the same thing for Shane Carwin back in the day. Anybody who has that kind of power, same thing for Conor McGregor. It's like, it's it's almost unfair. <laughs> There's just so much goddamn power corked in those hands. It's just like, well. The man's calf was a balloon. So I think that's part of the reason. Uh, yeah, his calf was a balloon. It wasn't even his fault. Um, and his foot was probably a balloon that night. Still hung over from the 2018 fight with Habib. Um, so I think all of those things are elements into your bigger question, he does look like central casting in Hollywood said, all right, you're going to be the UFC heavyweight champion. You look the part. <laughs> he 100% fits that bill. And on top of it, he actually has this legit equalizer that only needs to be right for half a second. It's ridiculous. And that's... Damn. Damn, yeah. And if he's just a little bit better, just a little bit better, just enough to, to stop a takedown and land a shot on a break, that's all he needs, so... Um, we did get a super chat from Jose Gomez. Appreciate you giving us another one today, man. Thanks for the support. All that PT said, 
Uh, all that said, being said, with Ngannou only having just over a round of fight time since their first fight, if Stipe gets him past the first, is this his fight? So he wanted to uh, ask you that first, thing. I don't, think it, I don't think it's easy to say, like, the first round. Like, I know we didn't do a lot, but he went 25 minutes a long time mm. ago um, with that guy. I don't think it's just the first round. I think he could be potent in the second round. I think when you get towards the midpoint of the third round, you're going to be like, I, I think it's slipping away, you know, but I, I wouldn't be like, if he gets out of the first round, it's over. No way. No way. Mm. Yeah. I think it, the GDR thing just keeps coming into my mind. I, I keep thinking there's no way he won't be a better version than he was in 2018. There's just no way. Right. But then you look at the GDR one, it was just like Amanda Nunes just reached for a leg and she got the takedown, you know? So, I mean, it it can go that route. I feel like most of the time, people tend to come back with a vengeance in these fights. And I think he'll be at least a little better. <laughs> you know, like, I think the second round won't be the precipitous fall off that it was in the first fight. In the first round, he came out guns blazing and he was still trying to throw shots beyond that. But I mean, you look at the end of that round, he's just like... You know, he's breathing heavy in God it was after that first round. I don't think we'll find that same person. If anything, I would be more afraid of is seeing the Derek Lewis version. If anything, somebody who's almost too hesitant to fire because they're so afraid of what happened the first time. He's practically traumatized by it. If anything, I'm more afraid of that version coming out than I it's am of seeing a one-sided What's that? You want to nearly see a bit of that and a bit of the yeah. Stipe, the first fight. Like, you need to find a perfect balance. And can you imagine the whole world watching you? One of the biggest fights of the year, the biggest <sighs> fight of your life. Everything you've you've put your life towards is, is in this 25-minute segment or less. And you just have to be perfect. It's it's tough, man. It's a, it's a, it's a really tough sport. And there's so many dimensions by which you could lose from. Like, that's what makes it so different. You know, it's like... He could be submitted. He could be TKO'd. He could be, like, you know what I mean? Decisioned. It's it's tough, man. And Oof. it's the greatest heavyweight of all time. Wait. The guy who's already beaten you emphatically. Here's the one thing. Are we discounting this? I want to ask you this. I want to ask the chat this. Lawton, I expect a three-minute take on this. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll start thinking. Will, will Stipe knock out? Are we, because uh, let's not forget, you know, like, how did he win Absolutely. the title? Absolutely torched Verdum, you know, who has an argument himself for being one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, beating Cain Velasquez, Fedor, huge, huge names in the sport. So are we discounting Stipe's ability to knock him out? I'm not. Um, and, and to be honest, we wanted to feature, like we had so much in that Francis piece that we had to cut it back quite substantially. Mm. But one of the things that Dewey Cooper talked about a lot was th the same thing that I've seen a lot of people say, like, we're talking so much about the grappling because that's mm. what happened in the first fight. But he was like, Stipe is one of the most present and most uh, calculated boxers in the sure. heavyweight division. Like he said, you know, he has a peekaboo style. He'll get in and out against someone like Francis and he can do that. He can play the chess game in boxing. A lot of people can't. He he believes Stipe is capable of boxing in Ganu for this whole fight. And just once he avoids the power, he's capable of doing it. Mm. Like, you know, he 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 is very capable. We saw those 15-odd body shots he landed on DC in their fight. Like, when you can do something like that repeatedly, repeatedly, and the person that you're hitting knows what you're trying to hit them with and they still can't stop it, that's that's really, really high-level boxing. And that's what Stipe has. But mm. if you could avoid the power and take the guy down, you'd think that would be the best option. That's why the grappling question is so big coming yeah. into this fight. 
Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Were you about to say something on? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought I heard you about to speak up, but... No, no. I, um, mean, I can if you want me to say something stupid, but no, I'm just... <laughs> do a lot. No. Um, I like... Uh, I like toitles. I like cold pizza. Uh, if you want to say something stupid, just go for it. Um, so, Stipe is the goat if he beats Johnson, and Ganu says Emmanuel Barboza. He's already the goat. I think he's the heavyweight goat for sure. Um, he might be the greatest of all time, period, Duffy Beach Jones. I don't know if that's the argument he's making. But the heavyweight goat, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think John Jones has a case for it, for being the, the greatest. <laughs> um, Nick Cochran says he has Stipe via TKO. And by the way, Nick Cochran said that you are the best addition that we made to MMA on point. So you're getting some high marks from the chat here. Well, um, Jay flew over to Ireland and bet the shit out of me about a month in, and he was like, "If this is what you're bringing to the table, I'm going to show up every day, motherfucker." <laughs> really, just came to the destiny then because he handcuffed me to it. So, may as well get some work done, you know. And sorry, Jay, I didn't know if you want me to reveal that or not. I don't like. I know you don't like to talk about the ritual beatings you put on us all, but that's what happened. It's the way I was taught at Target to do things, and that's the way, <laughs> that's what comes along with. Working for me, and I, I, I don't apologize for it. It's just, it's just how it is. Spencer, when hey, he hits me, I know he cares. That's what I like about <laughs> it. I just imagine that it's like that. <laughs> I'm gonna get you a birthday card that says, "When he hits me, that's how I know he cares." It's just like an <laughs> ominous reminder. It's like, hey, man. Um. Spencer Hayes, Francis took huge shots from him while tired in their fight and barely got rocked. Yeah, so that's I think that's the reason why most people would discount it. But I also think he was throwing to last the full five rounds. Because Stipe knows if he's up against a guy like that and his cardio can't outpace Ngannou's, then he's done. So I do think he threw some hard shots on the feet. So don't get me wrong. And there were a couple points, at least, you know, I mean, sometimes Joe Rogan, <laughs> you know, he's subject to hyperbole i think we all are more excited watching things there was a couple of moments where he's like oh francis is rocked and i was like i don't know if he is but you know that happens every <laughs> once in a while but it, it does show you that stipe was throwing big shots at it and francis was surviving no problem you know so to be fair to that point but i also think once he especially got it to the ground there was a little less imperative to finish him of course he wanted to but to go like oh 100 on all these shots Fifth round comes around, all of a sudden you guys are starting to look a little bit more even in terms of energy because if you're throwing shots like that over and over again, I mean, it's just not sustainable. So I think that's part of it. Maybe he'll try to throw a, a more calculated sniper level shot in some of these positions. We don't know, you know, not the to say he didn't damaging, try. The most of damaging defeat for me would be a body shot knockout after all that social mm. media. That would be like if he if he creased body the shot challenges. Oh, have that! What do I win? What do I win? <laughs> yeah, seriously, give me a hell of a prize, Ryan Garcia. All these people that have tried like just throwing those body shots, dude. Yeah, he needs to train with a uh, boss rooting real quick. It's like, all right, where's the liver? <laughs> Where is it? Like but pinpoint dang it, accuracy. Dang it! Dang it! That. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. That's the greatest video ever made. <laughs> Um, Hello, Mr. Chair. <laughs> <laughs> and once he oh, knocks you out, God knows what he's going to try to do with you then. So much good <laughs> shit. Hey, Jason, uh, can heavyweights still be candidates for pound for pound goat if there's a triple champ someday? <laughs> um, I mean, it, 
I think the argument he's making is they don't really have the ability to go down because they can't even get belts in multiple divisions. Is that the argument? They don't have the divi- they don't have the ability to go up. I mean, I think uh, Fedor was the greatest pound for pound when he was said to be. So I think they absolutely, absolutely. can. I don't think there's anything that holds you back. I guess the argument is he could have made it down to light heavyweight if you go strictly by that, but I don't think he needed to. You know, I think he proved it. And he made us all feel good about our bodies. He was a body <laughs> positive. <laughs> I was eating ice cream every time I saw that dude fight. I was just like, "Fuck oh, yeah!" God, I'm, I'm, just eating <laughs> <laughs> I'm training, bro. I am training. I was eating chocolate ice cream beer floats. Forget root beer. It was just straight beer in there. I was getting drunk eating ice cream. That sounds like Injected the worst fucking thing chocolate. on the planet. <laughs> um, I would go for. I would avoid doctor checkups for years while he was champion. Um, <laughs> you don't know what a real man looks like, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an elite athlete, dude. You have no idea. You just. I would bring posters with me every time to a doctor visit. It's like, here's Fedor. Shut up, bitch. Um, <laughs> And then we had high five. It was all good. He was like, oh, I understand now. Um, Marty from Nebraska, great username. Stipe had a rear naked choke on Nganu all night. Are you saying that he could have gone for it and he didn't go for it? Because I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, an argument that he should have gone for it. His neck is so big, I think most heavyweights' arms don't fit around it, to be honest. <laughs> Well, that's a huge thing, you know, like Ben Askren, a lot of uh, people that come from a wrestling background, they prefer to tear uh, tire you out. They prefer to make sure like, so if the opportunity for, that's the thing. If you go for a submission, a lot of times it means losing position. You look at the Chad Mendes fight with Conor McGregor. He was winning that fight in the second round, raining down elbows and throwing hard shots against Conor McGregor. He goes for the guillotine. What happens? Conor McGregor gets out of that guillotine, stands back up, and lands the knockout blow in the final seconds of that round. You go for submissions, there's a risk in that. There absolutely is. And I think that's why so many wrestlers, they're cognizant of that. They know that they're not Gilbert Burns. They know that they're not Damian Maya. They have the ability to go for it, but the problem is they can lose position and end up in a disadvantageous spot. And they, um, I don't want to say they don't have the confidence, but they, they can't have the same confidence as a Mundial's champ, you know? You know, do you know what I think is interesting about this? So many people like are like, oh, why aren't they talking about Stipe, Stipe, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's talking about, oh, Francis, since that fight has only done this and this and this. Mm. Is anyone taking into account the fact that Stipe Miocic has been KO'd since he fought um, Francis Ngannou? Like, that's a, that's a, that's a deal, man. Yeah. That That is, that is a game changer, you know? Like, when, Basically, the way the chin reacts is mm. if you've been knocked out once, as soon as you get hit like that again, your body goes into a system where it's like, okay, this is what we did last time. We survived. You know, that's we survived. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Didn't so, die. like, but am I, am I, like, am I being crazy thinking about that? Like, I feel like that that should be an issue when you're facing probably the most <sighs> devastating knockout artist we've seen at <sighs> heavyweight. I guess the counter to that would be how well he took the shots in the second and third fight. You know. I don't know what changed. You know, like what the is man's it? body was a balloon. <laughs> the man's chin was a balloon. Um, I don't, I don't know what it is that would have changed it, but I mean, especially that second fight for DC. DC cracked him over and over That's and over again. Yeah, but but he took he took the shots though. You know, Francis hasn't been hit. <laughs> He's oh, pretty much him. not been hit. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true too. Yeah. 
Stipe was KO'd by Struve. The uh, man, talk about the weirdest loss on somebody that great's record. I mean, it just shows you how brutal fighting is, man. Everybody has a weird loss like that. Cyborg lost in her very first fight. You know, she got subbed quick. (laughs) How many? What's your record, PT? Seventy-six and two. The two are my mother. Um, (laughs) Everything else. You just let her win. That's right. Yeah. She used slippers. You're not allowed to beat a man with slippers. <laughs> Ridiculous. Where was the ref for that one? It reminds me of uh, Ken Shamrock in interviews. He's just like, at UFC 1, I thought they were going to allow me to wear shoes. And they didn't let me mar- wear shoes because they knew I would beat Hoist Gracie. <laughs> it's the slippers, man. It's the slippers. Same thing. <laughs> Well, cool. I think we're about to wrap it up here, guys. Um, we do have Jose Gomez here with a 499 super chat. Lastly, for me, really appreciate your support, Jose. Been a low key fan for a few years now, and just want to say thanks for you guys, uh, for you guys and the research, input, and content you put out. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a labor of love. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, especially for <laughs> PT on some of these nights we're messaging back and forth about the pains, uh, the growing pains of trying to put some of these together. And I mean, God knows, you know, we're about to go through hell like this the, weekend. The Franny one nearly didn't happen. Let's be honest, Jay. Like yes. you and Max and everyone, we all had to put in an astonishing last minute scramble to get that one out. Like it was, I think I had three interviews postponed, four Oof. interviews canceled. I had to gain permission from the UFC to speak to Kyle Larimer, which took a week. Um, so, I mean, it was a it was a serious effort for us to get that out. So, um, well done to you and Max, though, especially because, shit, you had three days to put that together. Oh, here's uh, four hours of interviews. I've uh, used about 20 seconds of them. Good point. <laughs> it's so much more uh, digestible, I think, in that format. And obviously... You know, who knows? Maybe we'll find an outlet for full-length interviews to post those. That's what this channel was originally set for. But then, you know, of course, the pandemic hit, and we went this direction with it. So who knows? Maybe we'll figure out a way to put that out there. But there's just so much effort that goes into it, and especially with the interviews and trying to set those up, I really (laughs) was feeling for you on those because I've been stiffed on a couple interviews in my past as well, and you were just grinding. You're just like, nope, not giving up keep going for it and uh finally got him so. yeah, i had to show the two reuters meetings like so the nganu piece i still haven't <laughs> talked to anyone <laughs> what do we think of that yeah it's like everybody's <laughs> going around the table basically virtually going around the table just like all right so i got this going on we're good to go we're all set and you're just like eh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm really trying though <laughs> dude yeah i mean it's a it's I think we all feel we all realize the the fortunate place that we're in to be talking about something that we love. I mean, I remember working office jobs and just being like not getting shit done at work because it was just like, oh shit, like Twitter's blowing up right now about I don't know Connor versus Mayweather or something like that. Shows how much later I've actually started doing this than you because you were actually covering those events uh, back then. But it's like, uh, you know, you realize the fortunate, you know, like this used to be the stuff that you would procrastinate with. You know, it's like, oh, trying to like edit or do something cool. You know, I remember making hype videos back in the day. So uh, there's a grind side to it that does become actual work at the end of the day. But you're also thinking about at the same time of just how badass it is. It's really fucking I don't cool. ever think 
know how badass it is anyway. <laughs> just literally like, why don't I sleep? Why don't I sleep? What is That's that? my most... Like, what, like, what the fuck is got? Like, do you realize that Define this... sleep, Google. This, this news uh, cycle doesn't stop. Like, it's mm. a weekly... Like, there's no off-season here. Mm. Like, we are pretty much exhausted every day of the week. Um, the fact that it is cool, I think, gives us the drive to keep doing it. But, yeah. um, you know, when when you're waiting for an interview to come through at 1 a.m. and the <sighs> guy texts you 10 minutes before going, oh, I can't do it now, actually. You're not going, you know what? This is great. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> and you still got to wake up the next day and get on with your day. You know, it's not like you get to push it back. Yeah, man. There's good and bad sides to it. I think, um, you know, when you look back on it all, it's like you're just proud of it, you know, like looking at a piece like that in particular, you know, yeah. just super stoked oh, with it. Away. Yeah. Away, but watch. Yeah, I edited it really well. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> so anyhow, I think we need to wrap it up here. I want to give a shout out to Lawton. He's got his Composes piece. We're going to be putting ooh, ooh. that up at 4 p.m. my time, which is 5 Eastern time. So we'll be God putting bless. that up here very soon. So keep your eye out on that. And uh, really appreciate everybody on the Super Chat. Appreciate you, PC. Appreciate you running everything, Lawton. Everybody mm-hmm. who gave the Super Chats, everybody who chatted in general, make sure while you're waiting for that piece to go up, the Composers Corner, that you do check out that Nganu piece because it is outstanding. I'm not just saying that because I work here. I only edited half of the damn thing anyway. So there we go. Check it out. And uh, check out Composers Corner will be on Twitch anytime soon. I don't know who's going to be on it today, but check out our Twitch. And we will I see you. I love them. I love them. Lawton, you and Composa, man, unbelievable. <laughs> I love them. I watch them every week. Yeah, I'm always thanks, looking man. forward to what it might be. Um, Yeah, absolutely brilliant. You'll see some shit that you can't believe is actually happening in this sport. <laughs> like every time, oh, yeah. you're somehow like, what in the name of God happened there? Every single time, it's, it's magic. Yeah, I would say this. Statistically, you have not seen the best knockout in the world. You have not seen the best fight <laughs> in the world because there's so many goddamn fights going on out there. And that's the great thing about what Kaposa does. Credit to that man and how much fights he actually watches throughout a week. So, God. yeah, we'll catch you with He's that later. And shit. What? <laughs> That's what old dirty bastard used to say from the Wu-Tang Clan. I'm the Osiris of this shit. It's some medieval god that oversees everything. And that's what I feel Kaposa is for MMA. Dude, that is so true. We're going to start calling him Osiris low-key. But um, yeah, so we'll see you guys uh, on the next chat and on all these other videos that we talked about. Really appreciate you guys. Had a blast. So you guys have a great Wednesday. Peace out, homies. Peace.